0: Wonderful. I feel like I shouldn't be preaching. I feel like I just keep worshiping and enjoying. I, I I don't know why. I want to encourage you. You know the blood of Jesus. We sing about worthy as the lamb. Why do we sing about worthy as the lamb? Because it's the lamb whose blood was spilt for us. And sometimes we can sing it, and but it's like we can. I just think sometimes Christians can almost the blood of. God is like the lamb, is like the blood we keep in a jar for the day we might need it. And yet I feel the call is every day, every moment, every battle to apply the blood. The blood of Jesus is not just something to know about. If you're fighting battles in your life, the call is to apply the blood of Jesus. As they did that day, with the, as the Passover happened, there was a call to apply the blood. And I would imagine something, maybe those house proud people, you know, look how nice and neat houses. And then a dude comes to town and says, there's going to be this like angel of death that's going to fly over the city. And here's what you need to do. You need to take the blood of a perfect little lamb as best as it could be and put that blood all over. And I some guys, I can imagine some guys with the neatest little brush trying to, <laughs> just trying to just make sure it looks good, you know, fit it into the design of the house. But I think the guys who understood what was going on, that the God of heaven was speaking, there was something powerful. I I think they would have taken the biggest, ugliest brush they could find and just put it everywhere. And I'm telling you, we call to be the believers who every day, every hour, every moment, every battle, every challenge. If you're praying for things in God and breakthroughs, apply the blood of Jesus, which means in prayer and faith, say, Jesus, your blood over it all. If, if you're struggling, if you're having relational challenges, if, you, if you're trying for kids, if you—whatever it is, apply the blood of Jesus. Maybe it's just for one person in the room. The blood of Jesus never fails. Never fails. But I think we get a little neat and tidy with it. I think we want to partition it and make sure it works within our design. It never was meant for that. So, it's, what a privilege. I tell you, I want to start a little different today. I know you've been standing for a little while. We're going to read— the Bible together. And I'm going to ask, there's something about reading the word of God together. Can we stand? And I'm going to read from 1 Peter 2. To do that, I'm going to put my glasses on, otherwise. And, and there's something powerful about reading the word of God together. The public reading of the word of God. I'm going to read it just because it's quite a long scripture and it'll be hard to stay together. But you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him Recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the promise that you have made us your people. There's your mercy and grace that flows. That you are the cornerstone upon which every life can be built securely, steadfast, into eternity. So I pray this morning, God, come and anchor your people, anchor your church, and build your church, God. We give you glory and honor. Amen. 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 will not you take your seats, please? We're gonna jump into a new series over these next weeks and speak about something that actually, as I grew up as a kid, I heard about a lot. There was the scripture, Acts 2, 42, which was drummed into us. It was about the design and the description of the very first church, The Spirit of God comes upon the disciples, Peter goes out, preaches the gospel, 3,000 get saved, and the church is birthed. And so we spoke a lot about the restoration of the church, but in recent times, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about that. And yet, as Gabe preached a few weeks ago, as Richard came and reminded some of us, the wonder, of the manifold Ephesians 3, manifold wisdom of God being revealed through the church, I believe it's essential to understand what God has birthed us into. If you speak to many these days to proclaim the name of Jesus, they'll tell you they're a believer. And so we've started identifying as believers, which is awesome. That's what we are. But God just didn't save us to be independent believers standing on our own. He called us and placed us into a radical supernatural family who are called to change the world. Called to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and principalities. It's called the church. It's flawed, it's challenged, it's got people in it. What do you expect? And yet, God said, now through the church. And I believe in these weeks to come, as we speak of the power and the potential, you have gotta go back to understanding that in this description, we're reminded in Peter of Jesus, the cornerstone. The cornerstone. Maybe you don't know what a cornerstone is, I don't either, so I've had to learn. I've got five days of building experience, because we started a building alteration at our house this week, but I got it. I mean, I understand this thing's easy, guys, Honest. but I've had my, my guru, my sage in building, Henry Nell, walking us through and helping our builders through, and this week they laid the foundations, but tomorrow the cornerstone goes down. The cornerstone has been around for years and years and years, dating back, so it's the most important part of any building. It's that stone that gets set on the foundations from which everything takes its bearing. Not just the positioning of the stone, but also the edge of that stone had to be the strongest kind of stone so that because if you took that one stone away, everything else would begin to lose shape and form. And Jesus comes and we remind that he's placed His life is placed for us as the cornerstone upon which we are the living stones and he begins to build something glorious and beautiful. Describes it this way. He says, he he challenges the church, you become a chosen people, a, a, a royal priesthood or royal priests and describes us as God's people. Now I know people can do things with pronouns these days and we can identify as many, but I can't. And in God's definition, he says he's going to take individuals as living stones. He's going to birth life into dead stones. He's going to place them each other. He's going to place them building one upon each other. But with Christ as a cornerstone, he's going to build something beautiful. It's called the church. And the challenge is we say it globally, and it's sometimes maybe what we are misrepresenting. We say welcome to church, like church is an event or Sunday is church. We say things like, hey, and I say it. I know. I've said it from this pulpit. I'm just a petrol attendant. called to pour petrol so you can go and be the church. But when we gather, we are the church. The, the, The nature, the essence, and the very power in the church is not our gathering moments and events and how they look. It's the fact that together we are built with Jesus as the cornerstone, our lives laid upon each other. And being placed down. That's why we need those who've been around for a long time, and 1 John writes, the apostle writes, says, I write to you fathers, because you have stood, you, I write to you sons, I write to you young children. When the church stops having those dynamics, I'm telling you, we stop building, and the levels start becoming lower, and so there's this building reality. I love the fact that even bricks, if, I don't know, for symmetry's sake, I would love bricks to just be laid like this, just with no like, overlaying and all this, it would just look better to me, I don't know, I'm like an aesthetic guy. But you start to realize that the challenges, if you start laying bricks like this one upon each other, there's one big weakness. But when you overlay them, someone's strength becomes someone else's weakness and someone else's weakness is laid upon someone else's strength. It's called the church and it's powerful when Jesus is the cornerstone. So we're going to speak into some of these things and challenge us as we start to understand because we live in an interesting world. Again, where most Christians identify as believers strongly, but I will not submit to, I will not buy into something called the church. And there's reasons. There's the challenge of individualism. It's not been around since Corona. It was there before. I looked at notes when I preached in 2015 called the Irresistible Church. And then individualism, it's it's about me and, and what can I get out of it. And I want to tell you, as you grow up, there's a maturing process that the apostles write about that is essential. When I come to church, when I grow, you are called to be ones that others hold up, that others feed. But there's a growth, maturing responsibility that is called to happen within, not just in the world and at home, but in the church. Where there's a maturing that I don't just need to be one that is fed. I'm one that can feed. I'm one that can sustain. I can help others. And we go from the journey of being the diaper in church, the, the kid in a diaper at church, who everyone needs to help. Like I, I remember coming to church and I don't know what was up and what was down. Like, like I, I don't know, can you do this, can't you? Like It's not about that. It's about how do you walk this walk? Who's gonna take your hand? There were men and women along the way who helped me, who shaped, our, our people who shaped me by their generosity in their homes through meals, people who, others who shaped them. at a life group leader who I would go off to rugby play rugby and he said you're not going to miss life group because of rugby because I went to him and said you know I'm still playing I can't come to life group he says no you need to be in community so you come we'll keep a chair for you in the corner because you're going to be stinking <laughs> he kept food for me This single guy I was 19 he was 26 said I'll have food for you every Tuesday night you come to life group stinking smelling you can eat my food and you can shower in my shower and I go what why would you do that you don't need me I thought he was the business. He had a Toyota Hilux with an off-road bike. I mean, what more could you want in life? I thought, yeah, I mean, that's like my dream. I'm 19 with nothing. I'm going, I've got my 5,000 Rand Ford Escort with holes that you can see the lions driving. I'm thinking, and why would you do that for me? And you start to see, oh, it's It's the church. It's the church. We live in this, there's others struggle with this glass box Christianity. It's just me and Jesus in my glass box. If I just, it's me and the word. The problem is, it's hard to be a holy people on your own. You can come up with that idea, but I'm telling you it doesn't work. It's hard to baptize yourself. You should try. It's, It's difficult. It's hard to navigate. It's hard to anoint you. It's hard to lay hands. It's hard to intercede for yourself. I don't know about you, but I find it hardest to pray for myself and for my family. I just find it hardest, at our hardest times, I find it easy to intercede and spend hours on my knees for others, but sometimes, and, and maybe it's bad understanding, but, but I struggle to pursue God, I need to know others are with me in that fight. And so we stand. And there's this idea of country club Christianity, and we we'll pop in once a year and pay our subs and walk away, we live far away so we don't, but we don't enter into the richness of community. of of something more, and I'm challenging us. Why? Because I'm telling you, it's a sickness of our age. We can do community by joining a group on Facebook where no one knows our names. And we become heroes there, and our opinions matter there, but in real life, it's not the same. And when we get exposed, it's only the relationships that are real that hold. It's been an interesting week as I've navigated the last two weeks with one of my great friends, a great challenge in his life in the marketplace and, and, and opposition and trial and a whole bunch of stuff. And I've watched him have to get some realization of who's gonna hold and who's gonna be there and going, leaning back into relationships. And he just phoned one day, said, I need to lean into a relationship that I know is safe right now. Do you have those relationships? But not just people who are safe because they love you. That's great. And we should have friends. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about people who can take you to Jesus who can remind you of who you are in Jesus, who can remind you are in terms of the z- design of God, who can take you to his presence and leave you there so you can become healed. Yeah. Have you got those people? And I want to speak, and we want to speak in these areas, because they are challenges, and our world is about consumerism. So shopping centers get bigger, and online stores get bigger, and the challenges, No one, everyone's forgotten that actually, there's seeds got to be put in the ground for something to grow. And so the church, unfortunately, has become about, well, I walk away with a preach, I feel like I'm pepped up, but it doesn't necessarily challenge and pull us into the more, the the, the mess of lives. That's where we grow, in each other's mess fighting for each other and having people to stand I fight i want to preach this and it's been interesting to preach this post covid because in some ways that movement and that trajectory got put on steroids and said fly and and many people have set it back in the church and i'm telling you we got to preach this maybe you say well i've heard acts to you 42 preached to me for decades yes but is it taking traction in your life still honestly i've done church since i was 14. I've done, I led a, 12, a life group for 12 years, every Tuesday night, and on that couch, I saw things, God do amazing things. And so for the last 30 years of my life, I've done a lot of church, I'm pretty sure. I've done a couple of lifetimes of church. I used to be in the marketplace and still do three worship, lead worship three times on a Sunday in Durban, no air conditioning. I'd shower four times on a Sunday before the first service, after the first service, after the second service, before and then after the, 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 the third service in the evening, because 35 degree heat with no econ and leading worship is interesting. And, and yet, doing church is not what's changed my life. The meetings, I, I barely remember 98% of the preachers, to be honest. Some of you are like, you don't have to shout amen to that, it's okay, you just, it's okay to just be quiet and not agree with that one, it's okay. The challenges, the largest kind of church denomination out there are called the duns, not the Methodists or the Baptists, those who are done with church. They're just done with it. And and I'm not saying church hurts isn't a thing. I know it's a thing, because I was in one church for twenty years. Do you think it didn't happen? People were in that church. People. So church hurts is a thing, but also healing in Jesus is a greater thing. Healing and wholeness and it being the ability to be peacemakers and to move past that and learning to do that in church community is how we then become signs and wonders to a watching world. It sucks, you know, because there are many environments where people are, I get offended at the gym. No one greets me, no one brings me coffee, no one says hello. They're looking down and then... You know, they, you pick up the small weights and then they look at you. <laughs> then they want to, I, I'm, I'm the guy, I went back to gym the other day, I haven't been in a long time. So I thought i got really light and, and there's these big guys in my eyes. I'm like, don't look at them, just keep doing your thing. And then the one guy walks up to me and says, hello, Uncle Mark. I'm like, what? One of the kids from this church. <laughs> but, but it's, the challenge is Psalm 133 reminded that. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I want to command it. So God's held by that promise. But it means I've got to allow my life. Unity is not the absence of conflict. It's never been the absence of conflict. And so I want to speak, and we're going to speak, and I don't want to be able to cover all those areas, but I'm also concerned, as people are, and, and unfortunately, the, the stream is broken this morning, so there's no one online. I'm unfortunately concerned that people believe and really think that you can never get a life of Christianity on your own, on your couch. You and your Jesus. I'm telling you, you can't. And the Bible challenges us, one Peter five, that the enemy is prowling like a roaring lion. If you know anything about hunting, a lion doesn't lion doesn't go. I'm going to take the biggest, strongest one in the middle of the group says, I'm going to take the weakest one on the outside of the group that looks like is a bit disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm concerned that they are anointed, powerful sons and daughters of the living God, isolated, living individualistic lives where it isn't shared and built upon the bricks of others in their life who can come in moments to sustain and hold. Why? So that God gets all the glory. Because yeah. I don't think God wanted, Jesus, I'm going to be a cornerstone and you, Bob, Bob, we're just going to you and I are going to build a lacquer. that's not an impressive wall a brick and another brick that's not an impressive wall I don't think God came said to his son to die to become the, to build something that was more small and ins, insignificant I think he came to build something that was significant, that in an age of rampant individualism, he's building something different. In an age of people being offended by everything else, he's building a people who are robust and able to do life together. Where he can take them from different backgrounds, celebrate them, pour his spirit inside of them, and it becomes profoundly a sign and wonder pointing to the living God. Where we celebrate our highs. We celebrate them. Our man, Impele, who preached so beautifully recently and spoke on Friday morning in court being celebrated for passing fancy lawyer paper, conveyances and notaries all at once. I'm going, that's my mate. All morning, I'm thinking, how's he doing? I hope they're spoiling him. I wanted to pitch up there with a banner, but his wife told me, not the done thing. (laughs) Go Impele in the high court. I might have been in jail this Sunday. And, and my other mate Quinton right now is in meetings in Nigeria who, who loves and leads in this church, but he's doing what his day job is in the IT world and helping and I'm going, I'm thinking about him. I'm praying God protect him, protect him, keep him safe, guide him. And then I come to church and, and, and I bump into a beautiful man who recently lost, lost his beautiful wife and, 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 and I was sick during the time and I'm going, my heart's breaking because I'm going, there's pain there right now. So God, would you put him in community? Would you put him amongst people whose worship would rise up? And would you let a young man named Jerry, full of anointing and power, who's grown up in this church, lead us to your presence? I want to put up a photo. I was going to bring the table, but um, my house is a building project right now, so I couldn't get it out the front yard. I would have fallen in a hole called a foundation. So I didn't bring it. But that's our dining room table. And, and maybe it's not your style or your thing. That is the one thing when my parents got liquidated, I was 20 years old, and you're allowed to keep a family heirloom. My family, my dad had a business on his side business. He also had a furniture restoration business and used to supply antique furniture. And so that table was the one thing that I got to keep for my parents' liquidation. It's the only thing. That I still have from that. Uh, everything else went with the sheriff and everything else. That's the one thing. It's followed us around. In, and when we stayed in flats that was never big enough, that came with us. <laughs> we stayed on the third floor of a block of flats where nothing else could fit. That came up the stairs. When we moved to Cape Town, that came in the table. You know why? Not Not because of its value. Because that table... Let me tell you what happened on that table. I, I learned how to live in a family with three wild sisters at that table. I can tell you, my dad would sit on one end and I sit on the other end, and often my mom would feed the table and forget me. And they'd all be eating and go, um, Me? Oh, sorry. I, I learned that now, then around that same table, I've got to sit with my kids. Try to teach them what it does to be part of a family. To wait for each other, to, to care for each other, to laugh and to cry. Friends, uh, I hardly re- I remember all the meals and, uh, of families, my sister's noisy friends and creative. There was always enough food. I learned it around that table. It, it, so that table means more than just a table to me not just go replace it at, at a shopping center. I, I remember sitting with life groups. I remember sitting with my parents' life group. As my parents got saved when I was three years old, they were new believers when I was young. And they would sit around and, 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 and then they fell passionately in love with Jesus and the Bible, they would start talking about the Bible and I would sit there eating my food. I don't know what's going on yet. but this sounds. I saw healing happen at this table. My parents did marriage counseling for 18 years. 20 weeks a course, two courses a year for 18 years. It's a lot of people. And then what would happen is the special cases would come for dinner. <laughs> but no one would tell us what was going on. So we'd sit there and then food would happen and then the, the conversation would change. Oof, and I'd realize, oh, we're into that now. And we're talking about a couple sex life and I'm sitting at the table going, I'm still here. <laughs> what are, I'm, I'm here. In my de- yeah, but I saw healing happen, not just marriages. I saw God minister, I saw food poured out, and my mom is a great cook. I saw the lavishness of God revealed to me. I saw fighting as my family. I have three sisters, they're all professional actresses and in the drama world. All of them, I'm the quiet one. No one believes me, you would not believe it, but. I'm the quiet one. I learned how to engage in robust family conversations that didn't always end well. Fortunately, no knives were thrown. Forks, a different matter, but knives. I've learned how to love, I remember Christmas days and and we were big on my sister's and language speeches and my mother taking moments. I remember mourning around that table Navigating serious lows of loss of life and loss of all kinds. I remember celebrating 21st and birthdays. I remember God bringing healing and wholeness. I remember a man named Emmanuel who my mother during apartheid years would go preach every, every Wednesday morning at McCord Hospital on the Berea. Every Wednesday morning and I'd go with her before school and there was a man named Emmanuel who would translate with her. And he would spend Tuesday nights in our house and eat with us and, and, and we had to navigate things like police arriving at our house. And then my dad has explained to me what's going on because I didn't understand and I just knew Emmanuel. I'm grateful for parents who were prepared to allow their table to be a table of healing and a wholeness. And that table, generations now stood, that table, big decisions, that was the table we were having a meal at and Rory Dyer said to me, God's called you to preach the gospel. Will you leave your career and step into this and trust God that God will do something? It was that table we we're sitting at many years ago. Laughed and laughed. i show you that picture because I'm telling you the local church is called to be a table. It's not called to be a fancy event. It's not the lights and the action and the camera. It's just a table. It's a table where sometimes you'll, you'll feel like your guts are getting ripped out. and Sometimes you'll laugh till those same guts hurt. And it's right when Jesus is the cornerstone and it's irresistible to God he loves the unity the gathering of the saints it's irresistible it's irresistible this place is overwhelming for me because I know so many of the stories by the grace of God I think I forget much of them honestly it's a grace of God thing because some are hard to carry But I also know the victories and the breakthroughs. Roland and Stacey Brits, you guys are amazing. Honestly, got to take your little girl home the other night from a choir event. The most confident young lady I know. And and a product of your home, but by the grace of God. And so we're gonna spend some time, and literally, I think I've got to my introduction. But we're going to preach a series that to me will just be an invitation to step into more, to believe God for more than just a top up on a Sunday, to believe God for family. There are people in this room, and Richard took a moment to honor Olivia on Sunday night at the service, but but I used to come to church and think, well, I've... And you know, I had to get you, and I was here this morning, and then I, I'd see Olivia, and I knew that he had to catch a bus from north of Atlantis to Atlantis, and another bus from Atlantis to here to get you at Hopus 2 for a service that started at 5. I need to do it again in the evening to go home. So thank you, Lord, for that man. I also know there's been people who've been offended in challenges in churches. I'm still willing to step in and trust God again. And I say, thank you, Lord, for courage. Would you bring healing and wholeness? I know that there are people who have experienced pain and heartache at at the hands or the mouth or the life of someone with my skin complexion as I had to help my boy construct questions, which he sent to Uncle Bully this week about apartheid and about the group Er areas act as he's trying to understand the history of our nation. And I'm sitting, putting these questions together. I'm going, hey, God, thank you for the Vito family and that beautiful girl who played piano this morning, who's head girl of Weinberg Girls High. And I tell everybody that. It's like she's my own daughter. Honestly, I just boast about what God does. Why? Because the local church. Can we stand this morning? And maybe I can invite the band up. We've got weeks ahead of looking at the scriptures, so we're not gonna rush through that. Here's the invitation. There's more. So much more. God wants to heal. He wants to restore. But He wants to release and send out? So that the world sees him. It's an invitation to step into more than just a meeting or a moment. It's an invitation to step into healing and wholeness in community. To feast and fast together. To celebrate and mourn together. It's only possible by the Spirit of God. It's the only way. I can promise you now. I look at my mate Jerry over there and I'm going, I'm not sure I'd let him dress me next Sunday. <laughs> but I thank God that my boys are listening to him when they reach an age that they might not be listening to me so much anymore I thank God that they've got someone to look to who's got a testimony of his grace and healing and wholeness I thank God for a man God sent from Zambia to disciple and be a part of the discipleship story of my kids story I thank God so let's pray maybe we can worship a little bit more God I don't know what you're doing but I pray that you would come and shape your church lead your church love your church We apply the blood this morning, every heart, every mind, every life. Come and have your way, God. Come and have your way, King. Right now, Lord, healing. Right now, hearts that are closed to people, lives. And come and have your way, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the cornerstone. Thank you that you are the one of whom we take every line and every direction and every story. It's all you, Jesus. So as we finish in praise and worship, come and bring healing and wholeness. Come and build your church. Come and build your church. The manifold wisdom of God revealed in and through your church. Come and build your church. Not a brand and not a meeting and not one church. Come and build your church, God. Come and have your glory. Come and have your way. We worship you, God. Let's worship our King together.